Let's pray and we'll ask God for his help. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and for this, your word about him. We pray this morning that you help us to understand what John 13 means and you work in us by your spirit so that we take it to heart and trust Jesus and live for him. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a long time since I've been on an aeroplane, but I do remember the safety drill. You know what I mean? The safety drill that they show on on aeroplanes, they show you where the exits are and uh, uh, they show you how to work your seatbelt, that kind of stuff. But one thing I find a little bit weird is this. The instructions about oxygen masks. The International Civil Aviation Authority sets down what airline companies have to say about oxygen masks and the very first thing they have to say is this. The passenger should always fit his or her own mask on before helping children, the disabled, or persons requiring assistance. In one sense, that sounds a bit selfish, don't you reckon? I mean, your poor child is struggling there with no oxygen. This this disabled guy is lying there, can't get to the oxygen. And what do you do? Just make sure you get your own oxygen mask on. Make sure you serve yourself first. That sounds wrong. But you only need to think about it for a second and you can see that it does make sense, doesn't it? You can't help anyone else if you don't have oxygen yourself. You try to help other people first without getting oxygen and soon you're going to collapse and not only will you be no use to any of them, but they'll have to rescue you. It's the same with first aid procedure. If you are the first person to arrive at the scene of an accident, the first thing that you're supposed to do is make sure that you're safe. Let me quote from a first aid manual. Check if there is any danger to yourself before rendering any assistance. Same applies if someone is drowning. Way too often you hear stories of people drowning as they try to save children or or, or whatever in in the surf. Any surf lifesaver will tell you, you've got to make sure you're safe before you rescue someone else. You don't just dive into a rip without thinking. Now you make sure you've got a board or some other flotation device or you make sure you're connected by one of those ropes to the shore or something like that. You've got to be safe yourself before you can effectively help someone else to safety. Okay, we've come now to a turning point in John's Gospel. In chapters 1 to 12, we followed the public ministry of Jesus. John told us, do you remember, about seven amazing miracles that Jesus did, seven miracles that reveal who Jesus is. Uh, Jesus turned water into wine to show that he's bringing in the joyful new age of salvation. He healed the enemy official's son, to show that he's saviour of the whole world. He he raised and judged the paralytic on the Sabbath to to, to point to the final day when he will speak and raise and judge all of the dead. He fed God's people with bread in the wilderness. He brought them through the sea as on dry land, walking on water to show that like Moses, he leads us to the promised land. He healed the blind man to show that he's light of the world. And then finally, he raised Lazarus from the dead to show that he is the resurrection and the life. Seven, seven amazing, impossible miracles, but miracles that John himself and many other people saw with their own eyes. Even Jesus' enemies, they could not deny the reality of these miracles. 
and yet sadly for the most part, people have rejected Jesus. The religious leaders are so threatened by him, they want him dead. And most other people are just too apathetic or too scared to go against the religious authorities. Just a a tiny group of people follow Jesus. Well, now here, from chapter 13 through to chapter 17, we come to a whole new section of the gospel. It is the night before Jesus will die. The public ministry of Jesus is finished. And in these five chapters, what we do, we, we join in with Jesus and his disciples. We're like a fly on the wall as Jesus shares his final meal with them. We get to listen in while Jesus speaks his final words to them. It's actually uh, it's quite an amazing, uh, intimate part of the Bible as we listen to Jesus. Okay, it's the evening before Passover. The evening before Jesus will die on the cross as the ultimate Passover sacrifice. Jesus knows what is coming. He knows that he has all authority in heaven and on earth, and yet he hasn't come to be served. No, no. He's come to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so now Jesus does something special. He washes his disciples' feet. It's, it's meant to be a symbol a symbol of how he's going to serve them and wash them clean from sin through his death on the cross the very next day. John chapter 13 and verse 1. Have a look with me. John chapter 13 and verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You need to realise this is a radical thing to do. Uh, People back in those days, they wore sandals and walked on dusty roads. They didn't have clean feet. Washing people's feet was considered a dirty, humiliating job, the work of a slave. In fact, many Jewish people, they wouldn't even get their Jewish slaves to wash their feet. They'd they'd get Gentile slaves to do it. In that culture, this is a humiliating thing for Jesus to do, and Peter doesn't like it. Doesn't think it's appropriate. But he doesn't realise what Jesus is doing. This is a symbol of the humiliation of the cross. And Peter needs Jesus to wash him. Before Peter can do anything for Jesus, he needs to be served by Jesus. Before Peter can do anything for Jesus, he needs to be served by Jesus. Verse 6. Jesus came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, 
Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter then being Peter asks for a whole bath. But Jesus says, It's not about having a bath. No, no. He says, You disciples, you are clean. You're clean. They're clean because of their relationship with Jesus, apart, of course, from Judas. This, this is a symbol that he's giving them. Verse 19. Verse 9. Verse 9. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean. Though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And now Jesus gives the the lesson of the symbol. He, their Lord and their Master, has served them. They need to be served by Jesus. But that's not where it ends. No, no. What Jesus has done is meant to be an example. Those who have been served by Jesus should themselves serve other people. Those who've been served by Jesus should themselves serve other people. Verse 12. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So an example of service. Well, Now, in the rest of our passage today, we learn more about Jesus' death that will happen the very next day, and the thing that we see, the thing that we see is that Jesus will go to the cross alone. He alone can be the saviour. None of his disciples, no, nobody else will be of any help. Uh, first we hear about Judas. Uh, in fulfilment of scripture and influenced by the devil, but yet responsibly and accountably, Judas will betray Jesus. First thing Jesus says, he tells the disciples that an, that an unnamed person will betray him. Verse 18, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I've chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you'll believe that I am he. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. Whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. Uh, Peter wants to know who it is, and so John, who calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, John uh, finds out who it is, and it's Judas. Jesus has just washed Judas's feet. Jesus is sharing the intimacy of this final meal 
with Judas. And now Judas will betray him. And so he heads out into the night to do his wicked deed. Verse 22. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It's the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you're about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. Judas will betray Jesus. But, but as Jesus thinks about what is to come, as he prepares for the horror and the glory of the cross, he knows that it's not just going to be Judas who will fall away. Where Jesus is going, no one else can come. Jesus alone must die. He alone can glorify the Father in that way. He alone can lay down his life for his people. He alone can, as we'll see next week, prepare a place for his people with the Father. Verse 31. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus alone will die for the sins of the world. But that doesn't mean the disciples had nothing to do. No, no. Having received the love of Jesus, having been saved by Jesus, they should go on to demonstrate the same kind of sacrificial love. In fact, Jesus says, that is what will identify them as his people. Having received love from him, they should give of the same love. Verse 34. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Loved by Jesus, they should love like Jesus. But again, we've got to get this clear. Jesus alone is the saviour. No one, not even Peter, will be there to help when Jesus dies. Eventually, Peter will go on to serve Jesus, even to death. But first, Jesus must lay down his life for them all by himself. Verse 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, Where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. 
Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. The irony is, I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I'll tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Okay, can you see what's here? John chapter 13. Jesus washes his disciples' feet and calls on them to follow his example. We then see Judas will betray Jesus. Peter will deny Jesus. They'll all fall away. Jesus alone will go to the cross. Where he is going, the disciples cannot come. No one else can come. He alone will glorify God by dying for the sins of the world. But again, he's setting an example. An example that people like Peter will eventually follow. An example that should become an identifying feature of Christian people. Christians who know what it is to be loved by Jesus should love as he has loved them. Okay, well, let's think about applying this to ourselves. Two questions. Two questions we need to ask ourselves. First question is this. Have you been served by Jesus? Have you been washed clean from your sin by Jesus? Just like Peter here in this passage, before we can do anything for Jesus, we need to be served by Jesus. Before we can do anything for him, we must be served by him. So have you been served by Jesus? You know, in this mission month, we've been given all kinds of challenges. It's been a pretty challenging month, hasn't it, don't you reckon? We've been challenged to give of our time and of our talents and our money. We've been challenged to, to live for Jesus, to serve Jesus. I think some crazy bloke might even have suggested giving a year's wages for the cause of Jesus. I, I mean, it's all good. I don't apologise for any of it. I don't resolve from any of it. But can you see, you've got to get the starting point right. We cannot be part of Jesus' mission to the world unless we first accepted Jesus' mission to us. We've got to make sure we've got our own oxygen mask on, so to speak, before we can, before we can help other people. Well, in the last, uh, last couple of weeks, I've been in touch with two blokes who I haven't been in touch with for a, a long time. Uh, they're actually two men who, way back in the 1980s, shared the gospel with me. They were close friends of mine, close school friends, and soon after school, they both in different places in Australia, became Christians. Uh, Well, they both confessed themselves to be Christians and they both encouraged me, Reed hassled me, um, to to, to think about Jesus. But sadly, one of them has given up being a Christian. And so as my wife connected with him on Facebook or whatever it was over these last few weeks, uh, we asked him, why aren't you trusting Jesus anymore? He said, oh, it was just a phase I had when I was young. I, I can't believe in a God who would allow evil in this world. I can't believe in a God who, who'd send anyone to hell. I mean, he had all kinds of excuses. Fact remains, having preached the gospel to me, he doesn't believe it himself anymore. He's chucked it in. What a tragedy. This guy helped me to get my oxygen mask on, helped me to put my faith in Jesus, and now he himself is suffocating in unbelief. He's one of those people the Apostle Paul talks about 
who having preached to others is in danger of himself being disqualified from the prize. What a shame. Friends, the very first thing that we want to say to you on Mission Sunday, the very first thing we want to say to you on every single Sunday is this. Make sure that you're a recipient of the mission of Jesus. Before you worry about anyone else, before you worry about anything else, make sure you've got the oxygen mask on yourself. Jesus alone can save you. You've got to be washed clean from your sin by him. You've got to be loved by him. That's the starting point. You don't have that. You are nowhere. Friend, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, today would be a great day to do it. What a brilliant way to celebrate Mission Sunday. It's very, very simple. You need to talk to God. You need to pray. Say, God, I acknowledge that you are real and good and holy. I admit that I am a sinner who deserves judgment. Will you please forgive me through the death and resurrection of Jesus? Will you please help me by your spirit to live from now on for you? Acknowledge who God is, admit who you are, and ask God to forgive you and help you. That's the starting point. And and friends, that is our great hope. That is our great prayer for you that you yourself will know what it is to be saved by Jesus? That's the first question. Have you got your mask on? Is Jesus your saviour, your Lord? And then if he is, there's a second question, isn't there? The second question must come out of this passage, mustn't it? Because here in this passage, Jesus tells his disciples that he's setting them an example. Now they should wash each other's feet. Jesus commands his disciples, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is how people should know that you're a disciple. Jesus worked for our salvation, even to death. Now he calls on us to love like that. So friends, here's the final question, this Mission Sunday. Are you loving others as Jesus has loved you? Are you serving others as Jesus has served you? As I said before, I've been in touch with two old friends recently. Uh, My other friend actually ended up becoming a minister. Hadn't spoken to him for a long time. Uh, He's a minister far away. But but I heard during the week, uh, or read during the week, that he's not serving in his church anymore. So I gave him a call. And as it turns out, he was terribly mistreated by the church uh, it was an uh, older church, a, a church that was dying, and he, he, he really wanted to take them in a new direction. But a group of people in leadership opposed him. They lied about him. They maligned him and defamed him and undermined him. Uh, behind his back, they, apart from telling lies about him, encouraged people to stop giving money to the church. Uh, the church ran out of money, and my friend was forced to leave. I said to him, how are you feeling? He said, honestly, not great. I've lost my job. He's got a couple of uh, little kids. He said, I've had to move my family hundreds of kilometres. I feel hurt. I feel tired. And I don't know what the future holds. I said, how are you feeling about the church? And I expected him to be all bitter and vitriolic. But he said this. He said, mate, I wasn't serving the church because I thought they were nice people who'd look after me. I was serving the church because I thought they were sinners who need Jesus. That's just been proved all the more. (laughs) I asked him about his own faith. And again, I I was worried. 
But I tell you what, he was absolutely steadfast. He said, there is no one and nothing that can replace Jesus. He is my saviour, my king, my life, my beginning, my end, my only hope for this life and for eternity. There is no one else to turn to, nowhere else to go. He alone has the words of eternal life. My friend is currently working part-time for a church far away from where he was before while he and his family recover, get some counselling, and he's just thinking through whether he's best suited to be serving in a church or whether he should be serving Jesus somewhere else, some, some other way with the rest of his life. As, as I spoke to my friend, I just because I was writing this talk at the time, I got this picture in my head. I mean, he's, everything is falling apart around him. There's chaos all over the aeroplane. It seems to be going down in a heap. And yet he's still just clinging on to that oxygen mask. And, and still, anybody who'll have one, he's helping them all around, faithfully offering oxygen masks to the people around him. Friend, is that you? Are you doing your best to hand out oxygen masks? Are you recognisable as a disciple of Jesus because you love other people like he has loved you? Are you loving the people around you in Jesus' name? Now, boldly and faithfully. Are you thinking hard about how you will serve Jesus with the rest of your life? Are you doing the things we've been talking about over Mission Month? Praying and and giving and serving. Friends, the aeroplane of this world is going down. This world is suffocating in sin and unbelief. Jesus is the only hope for you or for anyone else. Make sure you've got your mask on. Do what you can to help others get their masks on. Love others as Jesus has loved you. Let's pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for our Lord Jesus Christ our one and only Lord and Saviour. We thank you that he alone went to the cross to pay for our sins. We acknowledge that there is no other name. We thank you so much for your love for us and we pray that compelled by that love we might love others as Jesus has loved us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.